Hey, well, welcome back to another episode on Your Story with Melinda. And I've got a great show for you today because I have from last week, Clayton King, who's back in the studio with me to talk about lies. And I've got to tell you, there are some lies that I've believed that he mentions in this book, Overcome. If you've believed the lie that you are unloved and alone, that sex is no big deal, that you can never forgive your abuser, that you can't resist temptation, or that... Um, good people don't suffer, then this is the show for you because what Clayton's going to talk about is how to replace those lies with truth and how you and myself can live a life of freedom and hope and joy once again. You're not going to want to miss this. Stay with us on your story. You were amazing last week, and it's like I just had to keep you on here to continue the conversation. Well, if, if I get to spend five extra minutes in Canada, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> I love that. Now, I want to dive right into this because you've just released your 14th book, Overcome, Replacing the Lies That Hold Us Down with the Truths That Set Us Free. And last week I said, I read this book right to the end and was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff that was sort of like convicting me and, and kind of like poking at me. And right. I want to get into this because... Lies are something in our culture and society that I would say everybody uh, has believed the lies, live under the lies, oppressed by the lies. And I guess the biggest question for me about overcome is why are we believing the lies? Where do the lies even start from about negative things about us or who we are or yeah. about God? You know, I mean, I know it's general, but how does that happen, Clayton? <laughs> we believe the lies because of our ancestors, Adam mm. and Eve. It's in wow. our DNA. It's, it's genetically hardwired into human beings. We would rather believe a dramatic lie than a simple truth. It's really? just who we are. It's our brokenness. It's yeah. our brokenness as a human race. When, when the serpent came to Adam and Eve in the story of, of Genesis, he questioned God's character, and he did not uh, tell them a blatant lie. He told them a passive-aggressive lie. He made them question what God really said. If you go back to the book of Genesis, I talk about this in Overcome, the, the enemy, this serpent, Satan in the form of a snake, says to them, did God really say that you couldn't eat the fruit from this tree? And then when, when Eve said, yes, that's exactly what God said, then he, um, he lied again, but he did it very subtly. He said, the reason why God doesn't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because he knows the day you do it, you'll become like God. Now, how ironic mm. that Satan is saying that to Adam and Eve mm -hmm. when that's the very thing that got him kicked out of heaven as Lucifer. Because Lucifer, according to Isaiah and Ezekiel, was the most beautiful angel that God created. But he, with pride and insecurity, mm. said to himself, I will exalt myself above God. So the very thing, the very lie that mm -hmm. Satan told himself that he could be greater than God, he now brings into our world and he tells us lies. And that's why Jesus says in John chapter 8 that the devil is the father of lies. We believe lies because we're hardwired to believe them. Now, you would ask the question, you know, how do these lies come to us? What are the source of these lies? Mm -hmm. Well, I've mentioned the devil. I, I do believe in real evil. I mm -hmm. do believe that there is an enemy that we must fight. And so he is sometimes the source of the lies we believe. But then other times those lies come from our own insecurity and our own shame. Mm 
Mm. When we make mistakes, when we mess up, when I blow it, my brain has a hard time letting go of a sense of failure. And so that failure, whatever it is, it could be something you did in high school. It could be a one-night stand. It could be an addiction. It could be that you stole money out of your mom's purse when you were a kid. It could be whatever. When we have a failure in our past, our brains lock on to that failure, and that failure then turns into shame. So something that I did 20 years ago, I still have the potential to carry around the shame of that sin, even though Jesus has promised to forgive me. And that includes people saying lies to us as well. That's like right. So that's the third, is, okay. that's the third okay. source. So the first source is our enemy, is it, is the, the enemy, devil. Yep. Second is it's our us. own insecurities. Okay. And third, other people. Now, that, that other people source yes. could be, just a few examples, your own parents. Mm. I've got friends who I have a friend that wanted to go into ministry. Went into ministry, mom and dad said, no, you need to be a, a business major, make a lot of money. To this day, mom and dad still sp- uh, speak lies to him. You're wasting your potential. You should have done better. So it could come from your parents. It could come from total strangers. And I'm going to tell you where we are right now as a Western culture. Mm-hmm. I think the greatest source of the lies we are currently believing in Canada and even in the States is social media. Now, I'm on social media. Mm -hmm. I have a huge platform on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But when we follow the wrong people and we give those voices access into our minds and hearts, those people can either directly or indirectly speak lies to us. And I had a young lady tell my wife and I this recently. She, uh, She confessed to us that she had an eating disorder. The eating disorder was a result of her poor self-esteem. Her poor self-esteem was a result of her self-image. And the reason why she hated the way she looked is because she was addicted to looking at pictures of other girls on Instagram Mm. that she thought were prettier and cuter than her. And that's real. Like, we say that, and I don't think people realize how real that is. It is real. It is real. And and then you've got online bullying. But you've got people. And and look, I say people, myself as well. It's easy for a, a mom or a dad or a businessman or let's just take me, for instance, a pastor, Mm -hmm. to look at another person's successful life on Facebook and we compare their airbrushed life Mm -hmm. to our B-roll boring life. That's the thing about social media. It allows us to edit our life and put our best foot forward and and then we look at other people's lives and we we know the truth about ours, Mm -hmm. but we think they've got it perfectly. So that's the three sources. So devil, ourselves, and others. others. Those are the sources of the lies we believe. And they never stop. That's the other point in the book. You better go ahead and strap on a helmet and mm-hmm. fasten your chin strap because as long as we live in this broken world until Jesus returns and, and inaugurates a new heaven and a new earth, we are going to live in a broken culture filled with lies. So there never ever in your entire life will be a moment where you are done with lies. Seriously. They will continue to attack your brain. They will continue to come at you seemingly out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn how to defend ourselves against the lies. Okay. That's encouraging. That other side, you're like, oh, the lies. (laughs) But, you know, I will say this. When I was going through that very difficult time in my life I'd mentioned in our last show about Mm -hmm. my divorce, Clayton, all on Facebook, I made it look like I was okay. And when Mm -hmm. it came out on national TV where I had to announce and explain it, I was bombarded by people who said, I would have never guessed. Because for the past year, your life was great. Smiley, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You never showed that you were going through this incredibly traumatic time for the past two years. Now, 
for part of me, it was my protection. I didn't want to tell people that. But I get that now because people were like, oh, it looked like everything was great. You were doing so well. I was jealous of your life and this full life you have. And meanwhile, you were going through this incredibly um, hurtful and hard situation. Yeah. So I think that's a good reminder to remind people that as much as people front and, and kind of put out that this is what they're doing, there's, again, a whole backstory that's happening. That's exactly right. And when it comes to Facebook or social media, I say this in the book as well, the, the, you know, you can, you can front like everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not good. But on the um, converse side of that, mm-hmm. it's just as unhealthy and toxic to, to um, let me just say it this way, air out all your yes, dirty laundry. I agree. I agree. And, and so that doesn't help anybody either. Mm-hmm. This is why community is so important. This is why friendships are so important. You don't know you're being deceived until someone points out to you that you're being deceived. It's the very definition of deception. My first day in a philosophy class in college, my professor said, how do you know you're being deceived? And everybody gave all these answers. One by one, the professor said, wrong, wrong, wrong. We couldn't get the answer right. And the professor says, you don't know you're being deceived. That's That's why why you're deceived. deceived. Yeah. (laughs) So, So when you have friends in your life, when you have a church community in your life, mm-hmm. when you've got trusted people that you can be vulnerable with, Brene Brown has made you know million, tens of millions of YouTube view- viewers just by talking about vulnerability. When we're vulnerable with friends face to face, healing takes place. The worst place to try to find healing is to just air out all of your pain, all of your disappointment, all of Great. your depression mm-hmm. on social media because it there's really nobody there that can speak into your situation that knows, knows you. you. Yeah, right? absolutely. So Clayton, you've you've identified that there's lies. It comes from the devil, ourselves, and people. Right. That lies are always going to be at us. Yeah. Ah! But your book here, Overcome, says, you know, we need to replace the lies with truth. And so I want to talk about that and talk about, tease our viewers and listeners with three, because there's 10 in your book. But the first thing about the lies that we need to confront with truth is how we see God. Yes. I thought that was really fascinating in your book, because I've realized how we see God, there's a connection with our own fathers and our own relationships with them. Let's talk about that, because I think I have noticed that and seen that all throughout uh, my life, my girlfriends and my guy friends, how they've seen God is with their dads. It's huge. A.W. Tozer said, what enters your mind when you hear the word God is the most important thing about you. you. Mm -hmm. And I've really wrestled with that and I've meditated on that. And I tell the the story in in the book that when Shari, my wife and I first met, we had very different upbringings because we had different fathers. My dad was loving, kind, mm-hmm. encouraging, faithful, tenacious, hardworking, dependable, and humble. My, my wife grew up with three dads, one dad and two stepdads. Wow. And mm-hmm. um, one of her stepfathers verbally abused her, one of them physically and mm-hmm. sexually abused her. So what I learned when my wife and I got married, she had gone through a period where she was healed and where she was able to see God for who he was. But I started to realize this is so true. We, when we hear uh, the word God, we think about God in subconscious ways in the same frame that we see our earthly father. 
And so if you had a great dad, Mm -hmm. then it's probably going to be a little easier for you to realize God loves you unconditionally. But if you had an absent father, then you may think of God as an outer space God that doesn't really care about you. If you had a verbally abusive father, then you may think of God as being a mean ogre that wants to punish you every time you mess up. If you had a dad that was all about making money and he was a workaholic, but he never came home, Mm -hmm. then you may see uh, God as disconnected. He's keeping the universe running, but he doesn't really care about you and what you're going through. Mm -hmm. So this is the primary lie that Satan will always attack us with. He will make us doubt the true character of God. And that's really what happened to me whenever I lost my mom and my dad and nine family members in rapid succession. And I had to come to a place to where I realized God is loving, God is kind, God is good. My circumstances do not dictate to me who God is. Yeah, And that's, I think, key because people are like, I blame God, I'm angry at God, and I have to keep saying, you know, it's not God. I mean, people made really broken, bad decisions in hurting you. They chose to hurt you. You know, my favorite band is U2. I think they're better than than the Beatles. (laughs) I'm going to get hate mail for that. But Bono, the lead singer of U2, he is a, he is a born-again believer, a follower of Jesus. In an interview in, in uh, the 1990s, someone asked Bono when they were the biggest band in the world at that time, um, how can you believe in a God who allows so many bad things to happen in our world? Bono's response was brilliant. He said, we cannot blame God for the mess that we got the world into. Beautiful. Yes. So God's good. At the end of the day, God is good. And God doesn't make bad things happen to us. But what God will do is he will be close to us when those tough mm-hmm. times come. So Clayton, how do we encourage people to change that? Because that's the one thing I just want to shake people and say, I, I know that you were hurt and abused and it's been a tough life. But you've blamed God so long that it's actually not helping you right. get ahead in your life. You know, you're an angry, victimized person. And I'm trying to help them change that because, I, I mean, I, again, because of my experience, I had a great dad. Yeah. So even when I was growing up, I was always like, he's loving, he's kind, he's gracious, he adopted me, he wanted me. Like I've had that been my experience, yeah. which is really sad because a lot of people look at me and go, what does that mean? Yeah. I don't know what that means, yeah. Melinda. And I'm like, oh. Well, I just, I've always come as that childlike faith about God. And yeah. so I've never been angry at him, like mm-hmm. I've said before. How do people start changing that life? What's, the truth is what you've said, but how, what's the skill in helping people start making that step to believe that? Two things. First of all, be around other people that know and receive yeah. the love of God. Yeah. Be around other people that believe God loves them <laughs> and that have joy. Second of all is read the Gospels. Now, I believe we should read the whole Bible. But what the Gospels do for us specifically is the Gospels show us the relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God thinks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know how God thinks about you, look at how Jesus treated people. So if we really want to know the truth about who God is, and we're having a hard time believing he cares for me, we have a hard time believing that he's for me and not against me, Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Mm -hmm. watch how Jesus treats people. Watch how Jesus talks to people. Watch how Jesus does not even hesitate to go right after the Pharisees because of their self-righteousness and rebuke and condemn them, but how Jesus is willing to touch notorious sinners. Mm. He eats with prostitutes and tax collectors. They bring a woman to him naked in the temple courts that they had 
caught having sex with a man she was not married to, and they wanted to kill her on the spot. And Jesus forgave her and told her to go leave her life of sin. So if you really want to overcome this lie that God doesn't love you or that God's not good or that God is some mean outer space religious figure that hates the whole world, just go to the Bible, mm-hmm. read the Gospels, and see how Jesus treats people and watch Jesus interact. That's what Perfect. God looks like. Absolutely. I would absolutely agree. And that's sometimes when I can't convince them in my own loving and relationship and doing with my friends, I say, then you need to you need to read about Jesus. Get yeah. to know him. And every time, and I've been you know, a Christian, a missionary kid all my life, Clayton, but every time I go back to the scriptures and read about him, something new comes alive. Yeah. I, I, put, I place myself in the story. I'm like, if I was the woman, how would I feel? Yeah. If I was a disciple, how would I feel? If I was somebody from the outside ready to stone her and then Jesus protected her, how would I feel? Yeah. And when you actually put yourself in the different parts of the story, it changes a lot. It does. Because yeah. you're like, oh, that perspective is different. That perspective is different. That perspective is different. And you have a, a even greater appreciation of Jesus. Yeah. Like I look at him like, wow, mm. countercultural, like revolutionary. Yeah. Somebody who I would love to have hung out with and listened to him and what he had said. And 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 always anger directed at religious people who are always like, by the book, this is it. And he's like, let's love. Exactly. And right? love <laughs> is love is really kind of the uh, immun- immunization for lies. So uh. in the, in the book, I say this: the lie will fascinate you then it will assassinate you. Yeah. And and we have to get to a place to where when we feel the lie coming on, we focus on the love of God. That stops the process. Yeah. It's almost like the machine is running and the lie is coming at you and you can feel yourself going back into that mm-hmm. dark place. And if I can just out loud say, Jesus, you love me and I believe that you love me. Mm-hmm. I am fully known and fully loved. I have no one to impress and nothing to prove. It's amazing how saying it out loud yeah. will make the lie go away. It, it literally vaporizes the lie. Amazing. Proverbs says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Mm-hmm. And so when we will verbalize the truth, the lie will disappear. Now, here's the example from Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I get really geeked out by this because I think it's just so cool. In the Bible, Jesus is baptized by John, his cousin. Mm-hmm. Then he goes immediately into the desert, and he's, and he's there 40 days and 40 nights praying and fasting, right? Yeah. Then who comes to lie to him? Satan. Mm-hmm. Satan has not changed tactics or game plans in thousands of years. He's questioning God's character, Mm -hmm. and he's questioning what God said in the Garden of Eden. He goes to Jesus thousands of years later, and he questions God's character and questions what God said. And when Jesus is physically weak from not eating for 40 days, Satan attacks him when he's the weakest. Satan always knows where we're weak. He knows right where to attack you. He knows where to attack me. Satan knows the primary lie that he can get us with. When Satan tempts Jesus all three times in the Gospels, in the Mm -hmm. desert, Jesus out loud, speaks to the lie, and he quotes scripture. All three times, Mm. Jesus quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is not the most exciting book in the Bible, I'll <laughs> yeah. be honest with you, yeah. but but that's what Jesus would have memorized as a Jewish boy growing up. Right. So that's what we do. This is how ah, we, we identify the lie, mm-hmm. and then we fight the lie. And we fight the lie by doing what Jesus did. We know the Word of God because we spend time in it, and when the lie attacks us, we speak the truth out loud. Out. Okay. And here's the, science, the craziest part behind it, mm-hmm. scientifically. They have proven that when you think a thought in your head, mm-hmm. it is nowhere near as powerful 
as when you speak it out loud. Awesome. That is great. I do that too. There are times where I remember as a missionary kid when I was getting scared and we'd be in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. I remember amazing missionary families who, I mean, they were smuggling Bibles. They were, you know, preaching out on, you know, AM radio like my parents were doing. They would say, speak out the name of Jesus and speak out the truth out loud. And so, you know, I'm like five, six, and seven, and I'm in a big bed, and we're having a sleepover with the other missionary kids. And all of a sudden, we'd feel scared or dark. We'd go, Jesus! And then we'd quote, like, John 3.16, and we're not to fear in Isaiah, you know, 41.10. And when we'd say it, it was like, gone. It really was. I was like, whoa! It's not a trick, it's a truth. No, it is a truth. We just it, yeah. speak it out. It's not, and I say that in Overcome, it's not a trick, it's the truth. Right. We're, we're not trying to manipulate God. We're not mm-hmm. trying to do hocus pocus, no. magic spells. When you say the name of Jesus, demons flee. When mm-hmm. you say the name of Jesus and quote the word of God, the lie has to go away. Now, that doesn't mean it won't come, come back. back. Right. And yep. that's why we have to learn. And we'll, But here's the good thing. It's totally doable. This book mm-hmm. is so practical because... We know that the enemy is going to continue to lie to us. We know that our insecurity will continue to lie to us. And we know that other people will continue to influence us in negative ways and maybe speak things to us that aren't true. So if we know that that's going to be the reality, once we learn how to identify the lie and fight the lie, it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. Every morning I wake up, and the first thing I do, I go into the kitchen, and I get a 40-ounce glass of water. And I drink 40 ounces of water before I drink my first cup of coffee. Really? I do. I do. Wow. It took me a year. Well, it's I say a lot a year. of water. It is a lot of water. <laughs> but we know that our bodies need yeah. water. The brain needs water. Everything needs water. That's a habit now. It's just automatic. Once I learn to drink water first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. I don't have to think about it anymore. Once we learn how to overcome the lie, once we learn how to fight it, mm-hmm. once we know how to speak the truth out loud, go to the Bible for the truth, you don't even have to think about it. It just happens automatically. So I tell people in the book, don't be overwhelmed with the book, Overcome, because you can (laughs) do it. And once it becomes automatic, it just becomes second nature. Nobody ever thinks, oh, I need to breathe right now or I'm going to die. We just breathe automatically, right? That's what happens when we learn how to let the Word of God overcome the lies of the devil. It just becomes automatic. Clayton, you have 10 lies that you list here in the book, and and you kind of attack them with truth. As you're writing this, I mean, obviously these lies have come from personal experience, right. you know, in your own life. Talk to me about one of them. Okay. What was the one that really got you? I mean, you have a ton, you know, I'm unloved and alone. Um, the lie of good people don't suffer. The lie sex is no big deal. The lie money will solve all my problems. But for you personally, what was the one here that you're like, this is the one I've had to really work through and put truth into it? Yeah, for me, the, the lie that really was the genesis for this entire book and for this message was what I went through after the death of my mom and my dad. Mm. When my dad died, I remember feeling so alone. Mm. My parents were gone. I was 39 years old, and I felt like an orphan. Now, like you, I was an orphan for a couple of weeks. Mm. You were an orphan for about one week. Mm. I don't remember what it felt like to be an orphan, but I knew that I was adopted. So I knew that orphan was part of my identity, at least for a short time. And the enemy leveraged that against me 39 years after I was adopted to say, You know, this whole thing about you being adopted and being a real son loved by your mom and dad, it didn't last. Look at you. You're an orphan. You always were an orphan. You will always be an orphan. My big lie was that I would always be alone and unloved. That was my big lie. And what happened, I went to a Christian counselor. And 
the reason why I go to a counselor is because I feel crazy and I need somebody that knows yes. what they're talking about to tell me I'm not crazy. Yeah. And so I went to this Christian counselor right before my dad passed away and he kept pressing in on what I was really afraid of. What are you really afraid of? And he kept asking me these questions that made me very uncomfortable. They actually got me upset. I was mm-hmm. angry. At one point I stopped him. I said, hey, why are you asking all these questions? He said, I want you to dig down to the bedrock of your fear. And I want you to face your fear before it happens to you. And at the end of that session, here's where he got me. I said out loud, my dad is going to die. I knew he was terminal. Mm -hmm. And when he dies, I will cry. I will grieve. I will lay on the floor in a fetal position. Then I will have to handle his estate. I'll have to preach his funeral. I'll have to take care of all of his things. I'll have to sell his farm. I'll have to sell his truck. Then eventually... I'm going to move beyond that. I will never get over my dad dying, but I will get through it. And eventually I'll get back to a normal life. That was the moment that this book became a reality. Because in that moment, I was able to overcome this big lie. Now, it didn't mean that it didn't attack me. Because as soon as my dad died, Mm -hmm. the lie was right there. Your dad's gone. Your mom is gone. No one's going to love you like them. No one's ever really loved Mm -hmm. you. You're an orphan. Mm -hmm. That's how it changed for me. Mm -hmm. That was what happened. And so for me, to this day, I still have to fight the lie. Clayton, you're not really loved. Mm -hmm. You're you're alone. Nobody's really going to be there for you when you need them. So for me, when I start the book off, I tell my big lie right off the bat. Which is, I am unloved and alone. Exactly. And the truth for you is that, I mean, as you were saying, the truth is you're not alone and unloved. No. I mean, you, your wife, your sons, your community, yeah. God, yeah. right? And you know what's interesting is that, you know, my parents are still alive, but I've had moments, Clayton, and in, in, I mean, this is so open and honest, that... I have had moments in my car where I can't breathe because I think my parents dying. And I'm wow. like, where does that come from? And as I was reading your book, I, I actually got quite emotional because there are the traces of that. I think mm-hmm. that part about being adopted, the orphan part, that's been part of my story. I talk about finding my birth mother, the reunion of it, this whole you know amazing God's grace and loving the orphan. But what you brought up, and I actually prayed through those truths you mm-hmm. know, before this interview, because I have felt that. I'm like, why am I thinking they're still alive? Why am I thinking about this great loss and I'm starting to have anxiety thinking of when they die? And so this really, in a very practical uh, way, Clayton, really helped me. So I'm like, I have that. I've had that weird lie and it's it's popped up in the most random times. And it's left me very vulnerable and shaken. And I'm like, that's gotta be the enemy because Mm. I'm not gonna be alone. I I have community, I've got a a great husband. What's happening? So that was really great. I mean, that's why this book is so needed because as I'm looking at through these lies, you know, the whole thing about money will solve you know, all your problems. Well, yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. And, and that's a huge one oh man, for people, I mean, right? Tell me about it. As, a, as an American, <laughs> I see that all the time. I uh, tell the story in that chapter about the largest jackpot winner in American history. This guy won that, for yeah. over $300 million. And I promise you, it's worth the price of the book just to read his story I because know, I was, his life is a tragedy. But if money would have solved all his problems, it, his problems would have been solved. Yeah. But they actually created more. The other ones, I can't forgive or be forgiven. I can never change. God is mad at me. It's hopeless. Things will never get better. Like, I would say, you know, maybe you don't have all the 10, but you at least have one, two, and three lies. You know what I mean? Like, for most people, I'm looking through this going, out of the 10, I would say at least five. Yeah. I've had to wrestle through and work through 
and you've just given really good points of truth that can help because it's really practical. At the end of each chapter, there's little questions, and you can mm. write down response from it, which yeah, is really good. We want right? to give people an action item. Yeah, you know, go ahead and do this. It's a short exercise. It takes a minute. Yeah, and we also wanted to get people to write stuff down because when you put something on paper, yeah. it's it's there forever. And that's why I've, I've really encouraged people. You know, speaking out the truth, but also I journal. Yeah. journaling really helps it's therapeutic it's there it's also great when you look back and you've seen the victory like oh my goodness I've been journaling this for like 15 years yeah. and today I kind of feel like I got through it because yeah. you can kind of look back and see look at where God's taken me or you know in journaling it's been interesting the prayers I've written um, to God and then writing where I've heard God and seen God write back to me as I've written yeah. right like I've done that kind of like I'll do that thing yeah. It's good, eh? It works. It works. It's a great exercise. I can't tell you how many times, you probably really connected with that in the book, how many times in the book I told people, if you want to overcome this lie, you have to say it out loud and write it write down. down. Yeah. Say it out loud and write it down. Because once you write it, anything, anything in, in history that was important, God had someone write it down. That's why we have a Bible today. It's good. Because smart people wrote important things down. And what I love too, you know, we've got a little bit more time here, but what I love too is that there, it puts it back on us that you have to be intentional you have to make the choice and decision to do it exactly like people and I'm like so what have you done well nothing I well then of course you're going to be you know oppressed (laughs) and depressed in life you're not doing anything if you're not reading if you're not being community if you're not praying or writing and at this point you know as an adult Clayton I'm like guys there's no time to waste yeah like there's an urgency let's get going yeah there's a limited number of days in the future of my life and I want to make them count for Jesus I don't have time for lies no and I'm like let's stop being the victim those things have been hard they've been hurtful absolutely and I and I will you know be there as a friend but now's the time where you've got to like pick yourself up and you know believe the truth of God yeah no Jesus, that's right? That's it. That's it. Clayton, amazing. How do we pick up this great book, Overcome, you can which is go right to, here? I mean, it's everywhere. It's at Amazon.com. You mm-hmm. can go there and just type in Clayton King or Overcome, or you can go to ClaytonKing.com mm-hmm. slash Overcome, and those copies are actually signed if you get them off oh, my website. Nice. Yeah. Clayton, we love having you here in Canada. You've got I know you're going to be back up, but oh, yeah. you've got to make sure that you come back to the show. I will. It was so fun and such a pleasure connecting with you. Thanks for having me on. I hope it was helpful. It was. Thanks, Thanks. So what did you think of our story this week? Let me know in the comments below or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find all our past episodes online at faithstrongtoday.com slash your story.